Welcome, adventurers. In the small town of Perkshire, Essid Moss is faced with the biggest dilemma of her relatively short life. Joel Rigetti's Speaking Stone Studio presents... Tales from the Dungeon It turned out gathering information about the Baron's hirelings was not difficult at all. They were all the news about town. Jemson from the tilted table came to purchase an extra barrel of ale, revealing they were staying at the inn, and that they were an intimidating and disagreeable lot. To Hesed's dread, there were not only the five she had seen. Five, Jemson had said. No, there were twenty. Mrs. Amari, who ran freight, stopped by to put in an order for more crates. Some of the goons had searched her warehouse and were none too gentle. She had heard it had been much the same all around town, these disreputable folk searching where they wished, paying no heed to courtesy or the law. But most disheartening was when Constable Eckert himself stopped by to see her. He had talked with her father this morning. Her father was worried about her. The constable just wanted to let her know that these people were not to be taken lightly, and that if Hesed knew anything of the whereabouts of the subject of this search, she best tell him. If these malcontents stay in town, they'll want to hurt some people. My job is to protect the people of this town, yes, this town. The town of Perkshire ain't got the resources to protect some ne'er-do-well stranger from the likes of these. So he'll tell me. If you see anything. Swallowing, she said she would. Near midday, she gathered enough food for her and the unfortunate guest. Just as she was going to bar the front door and hang the away-from-the-shop sign upon the door, they showed up. It was the woman from the road, plus two more. Pushing into the store, the brown-haired woman looked about and her lips pulled into a wicked smile when she recognized Hesed. So quaint to be in a small town. You keep running into the same people. Is this your store? Hesed couldn't bring herself to speak, nodding instead. It has been a while since we last spoke. The tone cruel and mocking. Have you learned anything new of the mysterious stranger? Hesed felt trapped in the woman's gaze. Afraid if she looked away, she would be suspected of hiding something. But terrified, if she held the gaze, the woman would see the secret in her eyes. She stared in red-faced silence. In the end, it was the woman who looked away to her companions, waving a hand dismissively. The two spread out in different directions, beginning a search of the main store. There wasn't much in the way of hiding spots here, and the search, which was unnecessarily disruptive, was over in short order. The goons shook their heads in turn. Blue eyes looked around the room once, and then pointing to the door behind the counter. What's there? Seeing no option but to answer, Hesed replied. Storeroom. They point to a door by the fireplace and a raised eyebrow. Kitchen. A point to the stairs. Two bedrooms and a sitting room. The cruel smile returned to the woman's face. Now see, that wasn't so hard. 
and I won't find any strangers in those rooms. Essid shook her head no. The woman twitched her hands again, and the lackeys were off, one to the kitchen, the other up the stairs. Soon the sounds of clunks, crashes, and clatters could be heard. The one from the kitchen returned first with a shake of the head, and then the heavy feet coming down the stairs from above, a mumbled something and a frown which also seemed to indicate no worthy news. The two acted as if Hesed didn't exist as they pushed past her behind the counter and into the storeroom. The ruckus started anew. Hesed started every now and then at the sound of a particularly loud crash. In contrast, the woman had placed her hands behind her back and was strolling casually between rows of shelves, occasionally picking up some small item and examining it more closely before setting it down. To Hesed, it seemed this went on for an eternity. In reality, no more than a quarter bell had passed. When the two finally returned from the back and shook their heads, no, again, the woman's face took on an irritated bent. Where but a moment before there had been chaos and noise, now there was stillness and unsettling quiet. The woman placed her pointer finger over her lips, tapping them as she considered Hesed. After twenty beats, she waved her hand again, and the thugs made for the front door. When they were gone, the woman also turned as if to leave. As the woman reached a hand toward the door handle, Hesed realized she was holding her breath. The woman did not open the door, but instead spoke. That is a lot of food you have there. Expecting someone? Hesed began to tremble. When she did not answer immediately, the woman turned. Well, sometimes father comes home for lunch, was the only lie that came to mind. Staring at her, the woman released the door handle and took measured steps until she stood just in front of Hesed, glare boring into her. At this point, my dear, I'm sure rumors of who we are working for are beginning to circulate this little pond of a town. So I want to make it clear. Deceiving me would be the same as deceiving him. A pause to let the statement sink in. The person for whom we hunt has greatly, greatly offended my employer. There are no lengths he would not go to to retrieve this offender. Another pause. Either through courage or fear, Hesed held eye contact. So I want it most clearly understood that anyone found helping this individual would be subject to his wrath. Such a person's life would be in danger. Such a person's family would be in danger. Hells, I have never seen my employer so angry. So it is possible that the person's entire town might be subject to swift and unimaginable retribution. Hesed felt as if she would wretch. So... Understanding the gravity of your actions, of your answer. Who is the extra food for? Hesed's entire body trembled. Her voice came in a barely audible whisper. Sometimes father comes home for lunch. The woman's eyes narrowed, and then she turned away abruptly. Reaching the door for a second time, the woman paused. We will be watching your store, my dear. The door was opened. Outside, the clop of horses' hooves and the clatter of a cart could be heard. 
Essid watched as the woman's head turned to follow whatever cart passed. She could hear the cart slow and then turn. Papa? The blue eyes fell on her once more in consideration, and then the woman strode out the door, letting it slam behind her. Papa almost never came home for lunch, but this day he had. On his rounds he had heard more stories of the Baron's people and their increasingly rough treatment of the people around town, and had grown concerned. As he came in through the back door, his eyes cast about the store, taking in its state of disarray. Then, seeing Hesed's face, he crossed the store in large, hurried steps. All it took was a look of concern, and she burst into tears. He held her tight. When she had calmed, she told him of what had just transpired. After a moment's pause, she said, Gods, she had no idea what the storeroom might look like. Damn the storeroom, Hess. I'm just glad you're all right, he responded. After holding her a moment longer, he said, Damn, Vivius and Squat are loose with the wagon. I was so worried I didn't tether them. Hesed pushed away from her father. Papa, let me take care of the boys. Someone needs to see how bad the storeroom is, she said in a hurried tone. Her father's face frowned in concern. I feel like I need to step outside for air, to not be in here right now, just for a moment. Such a person's family would be in danger. Hesed's eyes showed fear. She had to keep this to herself now, to protect her father, to protect the town. She would not include anyone else in the dangerous course on which she was now set. Her father nodded after a few beats. All right, Hess. You want me to come with you? She squeezed his hand. I'll be all right. Truly, Papa. Squat gave an irritated whinny as she appeared, tossing his head and stomping his foot. Oh, be quiet, you great mound, Hesed said in an irritated voice. You've barely done a half day's work, and you're not due to eat for another three bells. Despite her tone, she went to each horse and patted them on the head before climbing up onto the cart's bench. She looked into the bed. There were still at least six more deliveries to be made. With practiced skill, she maneuvered the cart, turning it back toward the street. Then she hopped down and hobbled the horses. Making her way to the barn, she went straight to the grain room, opening the door just enough to slip in. Without a lantern, it was very dark. Even as she began to gather two fodder bags and some grain, she said, just above a whisper, If you are in here, knock once. A pause. And then, from the darkest corner of the room, behind two large barrels, a knock. She flinched at the noise. She closed her eyes to let out a breath, gathering herself. Hesed spoke into the air, not turning to look. Things have gotten serious in town. We need to get you out of here as soon as we can. I have a plan, so please listen. Hesed quickly doled out instructions, finishing with, If you understand and agree, knock twice. Hesed found her father in the storeroom, grim-faced, but steadily working. The storeroom looked terrible. Broken crates, toppled boxes, sacks of flour and other grains cut open. She stood in the door, tears welling up. It seemed he must have sensed her feelings because he paused to look up. 
Come, Hiss. It's not as bad as it appears, her father said in a reassuring tone. Most of the damage is to the packaging. The majority of the product is fine. It may be a long night or two trying to sort out and reorganize, but for now I'm just trying to save what's perishable, he said with a step toward her. And more important than any of this is you are unharmed. He looked on, judging whether it would be more help to hold her again or to stand away and let her rally on her own. He chose to stay a step away. Come, daughter, help me get what we can now before I must head out and make the afternoon deliveries. Hesed drew herself up, a nervous fear replacing the shock and sadness. Luckily, her father mistook this for courage and smiled. He nodded to her before turning back to the work. They worked in silence for a few bars before Hesed worked up the courage to speak. Papa? She asked in a timid voice. Yes? Papa, may I finish the afternoon deliveries? His eyes squinted. She rushed to continue. It's just, I don't want to be here right now, she said with a gesture to the mess. It makes me feel... ucky. I think some fresh air might make me feel better. Make me feel... Not so trapped. After a few more moments of consideration, her father asked, That is what you want? You would feel safe. The thugs said they would be watching the store. I'd rather not feel like they were staring at me. This time, her father did come to give her a hug. If that is what you want, Hess, then I will come with you. She pushed away. Papa, someone must watch the store. I don't trust those scoundrels. A conflicted look crossed his face, but at last he said, You are sure you feel safe? Safer about town with a cart in the streets where people can see than in here all by myself, she replied. The logic seemed to appease her father as he nodded in acceptance. They went back to work, but after a half bell more, her father said, You should be on your way, so you finish the deliveries in the daylight. Hesed's stomach quivered, but she managed a relatively calm. Yes, Papa. And then crossed the room and hugged him again, holding on for a long time. Hess, he queried. She squeezed him hard, smiled up at him, placing a hand on his cheek, and then turned quickly away before he could see the tears forming in her eyes. Back to the barn and into the grain room. A single barrel stood pushed into the center of the room. Hesed moved to it, placing a hand on the lid, and then whispered, Ready? Almost immediately came the sound of a single knock. Hesed carefully pushed the barrel onto its side, and then began to roll it out of the barn and toward the wagon. It rolled in an irregular way, the weight inside distributed unevenly. She pulled a loading plank from the cart and with a strength aided by fear, rolled the barrel up the plank and into the bed. She heaved the barrel back into an upright position, pulled up the plank and fastened the tailgate. Hopping down again, she took the fodder bags off the horses, throwing them haphazardly into the barn. The horses were untethered and they were off. At the main street, she stopped to look both ways. A hooded figure watched the front of the store. Hesed swallowed and reined the horses the opposite direction. Hesed did not take the cart to make any more deliveries. 
As the cart moved beyond the north edge of town, Hesed reined the horses into a hard trot. The partially loaded wagon made a terrible din, but it seemed she could hear her own heartbeat above it. She did not look back, but rode on, urging Thivius and Squat to keep up the unaccustomed pace. A half a bell passed. She wanted to ride further, but unused to such a pace, the horses began to protest, slowing to a walk despite her prodding. How far had they gone? Four miles? Five? Was it enough? She hoped so. Pulling the cart off the small dirt road, she reined the boys to a stop. Looking about, she leapt into the bed of the cart. She quickly lowered the tailgate and threw down the loading plank. She turned back into the wagon and grabbed a hold of the barrel she had loaded. She pushed it onto its side. Was that the clattering of hoofs in the distance? Her heart was racing. As fast as she could, she rolled the barrel off the back of the wagon. It got away from her, rolling down the plank and away from the wagon. Hesed cursed under her breath. As she stood to leap from the back, she saw a small cloud of dust on the road from the south. It was definitely the sound of hooves. She felt faint as she jumped from the back of the wagon and ran to the barrel. She was not cut out for this. Twisting the barrel toward the edge of the road, she began to push it into the woods. The clatter of hooves grew louder. She pushed still. She reached the base of a tree. The riders were close. She heard Thivius and Squat whinny at the sound of approaching horses. She put her hands under the rim of the barrel and heaved. A hand slipped and she lost footing in the leaf-covered ground. The whinnies grew louder, the horse hooves thundered, and then stopped. Excited shouts and then the rush of footsteps into the forest. She pushed the barrel just to standing as someone crashed into her, knocking her from her feet. It was a disgusting man with a scraggly beard who reeked of sweat and alcohol. Let her up, came the all-too-familiar voice of the beautiful woman. But hold her. Hesed was let up, but her hands were pulled roughly behind her back as she stood. The woman was there, eyes squinted, an unpleasant smile on her lips. Other than the woman and the one that held her, there were ten others. Not all of them, but most. Without taking her eyes off Hesed, the woman nodded to the barrel. Two of the thugs produced axes before Hesed even had time to react. They took massive swings, cutting into the barrel, splintering the wood. Two strokes, four, five. The barrel burst, and water ran out of it and onto the ground. The woman's eyes widened, nostrils flaring. What is the meaning of this? she demanded. This was my mother's favorite tree, Hesed said in a much calmer tone than she believed was possible. I bring water to it once in a while, to honor her memory. The woman's face was drawn tight in rage now. Your mother's memory? Where is the gnome? Hesed's face drew into a cold expression. What gnome? Blue eyes wide in anger, the woman covered the ground between them in three steps, grabbing a fistful of Hesed's hair. You will regret this, she hissed, and then drew back a fist, a flash of light, and then black. Hesed seems to have deceived the Baron's hirelings, but at what cost? Stay tuned next week for the conclusion of 
the influence of virtue.